0: In seven days a week 24 hours yep. Russ, in welcome to the show, welcome I to Become your own, your own Superhero
1: I love it, I love the title of your show I'm all over this white blazer, bare chest look This is Confident as Fuck, that's my jam And I'm so happy to be here and chat with you today
0: Well, thank you for the wonderful compliment And Confident as Fuck is your latest amazing book Which is, well, it's been out for a little while now But uh What an amazing read. I felt like I was reading my life. What made you write confident as fuck?
1: Well, you know, uh, I think a lot of people might resonate with this, which is you go through your life and you realize that people kind of keep coming to you for the same thing or the same sort of advice. And I noticed that everyone was always coming to me for like, I'm getting bullied at work. What's a good comeback for this motherfucker? Or, you know, or like, <laughs> oh, I need to go ask my boss for a raise, but I'm nervous. Or, you know, all of the things that had to do with like speaking up, stepping up or declaring a boundary, you know, someone having an issue with a toxic person or people pleasing issue, and calling me to be like, what do I do? And so when I, I knew I wanted to write a self-help book for my second book, and uh, I was just like, this is just so my life because, I, I, I don't know, people have declared me, of the, when I was in college, uh, my roommates nicknamed me No Shit. Not I was literally my nickname. They'd be like, what's up, No Shit? And <laughs> And they used to say, they're like, You don't put up with any shit. You don't dish out any shit. You don't give it. You know what I mean? And I I get that. I'm a very no BS person. And that seems to have resonated with me throughout my life and probably one of the biggest compliments I've given. And what does that really translate to? That translates to authenticity, speak, you know, telling it like it is. And, you know, that is one of the, Pinnacles of confidence. That's why we trust confident people. We're trusting their confidence and their trust in themselves almost. And it's because they're authentic and usually out of integrity as well. Otherwise, you can misuse confidence and be a con man. So, this is what I started to notice. And I was like, you know, I, this is like a natural expertise, but that doesn't mean that my confidence hasn't taken major hits. It doesn't mean that I still don't have moments where I've got to go, ah, you got to draw a boundary. I mean, there, there are a few moments. It's just I think I get to those comebacks and those things way quicker than most people because I have more practice and maybe uh, more of a long-standing ability in this arena, but it definitely is a superpower that everyone can have, because the truth is, is that it confidence is literally the sum of the thoughts you think and the actions you take. Everyone has control over that, but people go through life with a victim mentality or, you know, people pleasing and things like this, and they can be overcome. And so I think people feel like they're trapped in something and they're really trapping themselves.
0: Wonderful, wonderful response. And for people that have just dialed in, I want you to stay stick around for a little bit longer because if this isn't your subject, then there's another amazing subject that L that has amazing expertise with regards to autoimmune. So that because you, you've got such an extraordinary background, I'm sort of racking my brain. How the hell can I get the most amount of value for for our audience today? And I think it'd be it'd be a good idea to touch on some of that. What's the first book that you wrote?
1: The first book that I wrote is called The Paleo Thyroid Solution. It was a number one best-selling book, still really is to this day. Uh, I also now have a, a free thyroid masterclass that's two hours, and I have a full thyroid course, which is literally the most comprehensive course on the planet. It's 29 hours and 17 modules. So, uh, the re- and again, this is, this is where like your test becomes your testimony or whatever. I struggled for years with dumb, uninformed doctors, taking the wrong tests, not knowing what to do. Uh, and I lost about seven years of my thirties to this. And, you know, I always say that like hypothyroidism fucked with the wrong chick. You know what I mean? Cause I was like, Mm-mm, Nope. And so went out and wrote a book about it. And, um, you know, it's just changed thousands of people's lives around the world. Hypothyroidism affects 200 million people in the world. 25 million Americans alone have it. It's one of the num- most number one prescriptions. And so is all of the prescriptions for autoimmune disorders. So um, Hashimoto's is the autoimmune disorder that affects the thyroid, but people can have general hypothyroidism like I do. I do not have the autoimmune form of it. So I take thyroid hormones every day to stay alive and have my brain function and my metabolism. And so the tragedy of this whole thing though, is that it's so, fucking easily fixed and solvable. The only difference is between being uninformed as a doctor who's steeped in 40-year-old outdated protocols regarding thyroid health, or the the doctor's actually in the know. You know what I mean? So uh, I do have a doctor on my book, Dr. Forsman, and also in the course. And so, you know, this is just something that I just wanted to provide coach people all around the world in this topic. And I wanted to provide another means for everybody to, to, uh, you know, get help and solve this problem, uh, because actually it's quite easily solvable. And that's, what's frustrating. People have had hysterectomies or I'll give a great example. There was a young kid who was 25 years old that came to me. He had very low testosterone Uh, that that shouldn't happen with a 25 year old boy. So the doctor was like, oh, lack of testosterone. We'll just give you testosterone. No. He's got a lack of testosterone because the thyroid is in charge of the production and re- regulation of all of your sex hormones. And that's what the doctors are dumb dumb. So if someone prescribes you Prozac, get your thyroid checked. It affects your brain and depression. Someone, oh, you got hormones all fucked up. Oh, you have polycystic ovarian syndrome. Oh, we'll give you metformin. We'll give you... Ah check the thyroid because this is what is the master gland. And so what happens is doctors, because they don't know how to test and properly treat the thyroid and evaluate it because they're just uninformed. They end up doing this like patchwork operation on all these symptoms you get as a result of the master gland being off in some way. So that's just been a, that book was released in 2016 and I just released the course in the free, free two hour thyroid masterclass. And, you know, it's just part of my life's work. I'm sure I'll be talking about thyroid forever, also too. I mean, it's right here in the throat. It's the throat chakra. It's like, you know, speaking up and I don't, I'm sure you know about Louise Hay. She's dead now, but she is the founder of Hay House. And she used to back in the day, she wrote a book called You Can Heal Your Life. And what she noticed is she was counseling people. And if they had a medical issue, she could really correspond it with some sort of emotional or spiritual element. And so under hypothyroidism, she discovered that a lot of people who have it um, either are not speaking up, they feel like a little bit stifled, or they're not expressing their true creativity. Now, I'm not saying that that is going to solve a thyroid problem, but it is an interesting connection. Um, Mm -hmm. And then that kind of relates to confidence as well. So that was my first book. And the second book on confidence and, you know, I've got more coming out. There's no shortage of books, my friend that I have in my brain. So it's uh, sometimes, (laughs) so, so they're, they're coming, but yeah, they're, they're great reads. There's so much free information out there with me talking about this, that people have even heard podcasts with me talking about thyroid and written me and been like, Oh my God, that podcast, like that's all I needed. I went and got the tests and I figured it out. It's like great. I, I, I don't you know. I'm uh, yeah. I would love to sell books and courses, but if you can figure it out another way, my goal is to let's get people informed. And the problem is is that since doctors are not informed, the patient has to be. And that's my main message: is if you have a disease, please don't put it completely into the hands of a fucking doctor. Okay. You better learn about it. Half the people that come to me that are on thyroid hormone are like, I don't know how it works. So you took a pill for something and you didn't even, because they just trust. Oh, the doctor told me to do it. And I think that that's probably the true with most issues that come up about health we rely and we think you went to medical school for fucking 10 years like you should know this you're an endocrinologist and the truth is is that endocrinologists are the most uninformed so it's uh it's a little bit it's it's crazy making but you know it's helped thousands of people around the world regain their health and i'm sure i'll be talking about it forever um so yeah that was my first book
0: that's so good and you know what, I got a really good friend of mine in Australia, Tracy McBeath, who's a uh, she had Hashimoto's and she fixed it through um diet. She used yep. carnivore diet and a few other things. And but she's booked out. She's got no bandwidth to take on anymore. So it's great that I got another place to because every man and his dog, well, mainly women have got this this issue with their thyroid, whether it be Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism. And uh, I'm running out of <laughs> resources. And you're right, like, because my background, I had an incurable autoimmune disease. I had GERD for 17 years, which I was on a Meprazole and SOMAC and all the proton pump it, pump it is. And I, and I figured it out by watching a Joe Rogan interview with Dr. Chris Kresser. And oh, Chris the, Kresser,
1: yeah, he's great.
0: Right. And uh, in fact, Dr. Al Dannenberg, I don't know if you know him, he just released- a-
1: I love Al. I've known Al from the beginning. He's one of the primal blueprint, primal success stories that we have.
0: He's Well, he's he's become a dear friend as well. And I gave an endorsement for his book, which is between uh, Chris Cressa and uh, Judy Cho. And I was just like, oh, I was fangirling left, right, and said it was brilliant. But But what happened when I fixed mine, I just cut gluten out and then- ended up going down the rabbit hole with carnivore and started ultra running and all the other stuff. Right. But like now that I've got my energy back now, that's when I'm in creation. mode. That's what I've been able to create nearly 170 episodes, a book, a mastermind, all this coaching. And it's, it's a very similar pattern. Once you get your health back, then you can lean into your greatness. Do you think that's what's happened to you?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, you because of the way hypothyroidism affects your brain, because we have more receptors in our brain for T3, the active thyroid hormone than anywhere else. So you you're not depressed just because your body's falling apart. You know what I mean? and your hormones are off, you are literally can't think you speak like a dyslexic. You can't find the words you have messy handwriting because brain to hand dexterity is off. I'm an athlete. I started, I was clumsy. I'm like knocking over my water everywhere. And you're like, what, this is not like me. And so it affects every system of the body from your heart rate to your temperature. These things are all involved with metabolism and methylation and any other process you can imagine. So and it's also such a low confidence thing. You know, usually people who have hypothyroidism have insidious weight gain. Now, some people don't, but that usually is a horrible thing too. So you, you know, and you're trying and you're going to 10 doctors and people think you're crazy because you're not listening to doctors and no one's helping you. And, you know, people kind of make you out to be a hypochondriac. And it's it's not a great place to like date from. Like, hi, I'm sick. I don't know what's wrong with me. I've seen <laughs> 500 doctors. Like, you know, it's a very, it really, it really just, God, chisels away at your self-esteem and confidence. And so- once you get beyond that and your brain's working right, you know, and you have energy to actually go out and do things versus just spend all your time trying to solve a health problem, then this whole new life happens. And I'm, I'm sure you might've felt this way, but a lot of people who have a health issue that they've overcome, uh, wh- and I say, and this is my second book, some of the greatest gifts in life come wrapped in shit. That was one of them. I would never take hypothyroidism back. I would never go back in time and say that I didn't want that. Part of it is because- Um, the contrast of what I feel now, which is completely healthy, unhypothyroid doing well to when I was really sick, I sometimes feel that people who've never really had a serious chronic health issue, I don't even know, can they reach the levels of gratitude that other people who have been able to have the contrast of being horribly sick and defeated to now feeling vibrant and awesome. And that contrast, man, you never forget it. You know, there are days when I'll be hiking to the top of a mountain, I'll have a thought or remember, or I talk to a client who's expressing these depressing things about going through hypothyroidism and I'll just be shedding tears of joy in that moment. Cause I remember, you know, it almost makes me choke up now thinking about it. I remember just, I talk about it in my book. I was hiking with a friend and I thought I had to like go to the bathroom and I went over the side and sorry for the TMI here, but blood clots fell out of my, you know what? That is horrible day. A horrible day for any woman. You know, your wow. womanhood it usually attacks, you have miscarriages, infertility, gynecological issues. That's your womanhood. Imagine. Listen, I I mean, look, if 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 if, if some guy's dick was bleeding, you guys would be on a helicopter to like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the, the clinic of whatever. So, you know, these are really horrible things that happen and they really just uh you feel your body's rejecting you, even though it's trying to save you. And so I I appreciate the contrast because. Uh, you know, that, that gift is amazing. And then also, I mean, how would have I been able to help all of these people had this not happened to me? I think I, like I said, hypothyroidism fucked with the wrong person because I was not going to go down, you know? And so being able to have Mark Sisson publish my book and get it out there and finally start to change lives is honestly one of my greatest uh, achievements, I think.
0: Well, I love that Mark Sisson story because like, I'm a, I'm not well known yet I'm only relatively new in my entrepreneurial journey compared to you know a big name brand and but I started cold calling and reaching out to my heroes and I was able to get them on the show and it got a snowball from there right now I'm friends with them and having dinner at their house and staying at one of their houses now and uh, (laughs) it's it's just so great so because you didn't know Mark how did you how did you get Mark to write the forward and be involved in that book project
1: So yeah, he published my first book, but wrote it forward to my second book. So I, uh, I, but how did you get him to
0: publish it? Cause you, you didn't know Mark.
1: Well, actually 10 years ago, I wanted a a job that was, I needed some extra money uh, a little bit more than 10 years ago. And I was like, I need a little extra money. I don't know what to do. I need a job that's right for me. I have a hand arm disability, so I can't like type 40 hours a week. And, you know, and so I was just like, what do I do? I, Pulled some law of attraction, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, you know, magic. And uh I got three opportunities with three writers in Malibu. And Mark was one of them. I did not know who he was. I just knew that they were looking for a personal assistant for some health company called Primal Nutrition. So I get the job with him because I'm like the most overqualified applicant for this job at this point, because I had already been a very successful uh, tech entrepreneur back in the day before my arms got disabled. So they just hired me without even interviewing anyone else. And then I became his personal assistant, his first personal assistant. He was building the company. He had the book Primal Blueprint. He had supplements, but he wanted to expand and he needed help. It was, you know, so I ended up becoming his personal assistant. And then like about a year in or so, he started a publishing company. And I went to him and I said, Hey man, like, because I learned about paleo primal for you. I see the connections. No one's ever made this connection in the world of thyroid books. I've read all the thyroid books. There's only two others that I would ever recommend other than mine. I'll mention them now real quick. Cause they're important. Stop the thyroid madness by Janie Bothorp and recovering with T3 by Paul Robinson. So, uh, I, I pitched it to him and he goes, you know what? I've been wanting to publish a thyroid book. And I'm like, well, here we go. So I pitched it to him and, uh, he published it, and then he got so busy, he started Primal Kitchen. He started with the may- mayonnaise, and now it's, of course, in a huge company that Kraft Heinz Love bought, that stuff. Yeah, Primal Edge
0: Mayonnaise that. made with avocado. will get some, you
1: Yeah, Primal Kitchen Mayonnaise is just the jam. So he started with mayonnaise, and then he got so busy, and he had started a podcast. He said, you want to host the podcast? I'm too busy now. And I was like, why do you want me to host your podcast? Like, um, what an honor. So then I ended up hosting his podcast for about seven years. Then as I right when I wrote the book and was hosting the podcast I said hey kind of done being a personal assistant this is kind of getting old you know whatever I mean just because it's a little bit but I just it's just too it's just it's not he's like totally get it go go do your thing and so then the company grew and um he's been my mentor for 10 years he's like a I feel like a surrogate dad in a way someone I totally admire and and I challenge anyone, Lewis Howes did an interview with Mark Sisson called like how to build a $300 million health empire. And what I love about this interview with Mark is that it's not him really talking about his paleo primal and what ancestral health means. It's literally just talking about here are all of the failures I made along the way. Here's all the risks that didn't work out. Here's here, you know, he had a yogurt shop at one point. He tried this at one point. He tried that at one point. He kept going and then boom, Kraft Heinz buys his company for over $200 million a few years ago. So once Kraft Heinz bought the company. I said, Hey, you guys aren't a publisher. I'll take my book back now. And, uh, and then also, you know, Mark sort of is still a consultant, but he's moving on to other things. He's starting a, a barefoot shoe company, uh, I- this fall and has already sort of announced that that's what he's doing. So he's just continues to be an inspiration for so many people, not just for health and anti-aging because he's 69 and has an eight pack. Uh, but he looks because,
0: fantastic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But because he also, Is just an incredible entrepreneur. You know, he he, very ancestral thing about confidence is that he sees failure as feedback. And that is one of the tenets. And getting back to confidence for a second, it is absolutely gives us an ancestral edge. And I want to talk about this because so having confidence not only provides an evolutionary edge, it helps us navigate tasks and you know social situations without pause and fear, and thus it propels us in the direction of our dreams. But the, the Where we need to adopt our hunter-gatherer ancestors mindset is in this capacity. Nowadays, we have this luxury of wallowing in despair, self-pity, self-judgment, doubt, not back in the day. It was life was harsh. It was unforgiving. It was relenting. I mean, unrelenting. Can you imagine on a hunt if they didn't catch the beast? And then one guy goes, I don't know, Joe, do you think I should hunt again? Like, do you think I'm good? <laughs> right? Or like if the water was t- if the water well is tainted and Joe's dead, you think that they're like, or, or Joe's like, we got, I'm going to stay here. I can't move on. No, they had to fucking move on. It was survival. Now where we don't want to go back to those times is I probably would have been dragged into a cave and raped by a caveman. So, yeah, okay. They didn't have human That's rights. That's not funny
0: by the way. It's just funny the way you tell.
1: No, no, no. It is, you know, anything can hey, I love George Carlin. Anything can be funny. It's the it's the context in which it's said. So, yeah. I think that, you know, can you really imagine our hunter gatherers ancestors would not be moping around with their heads hung low, judging themselves as failures. You know, they, they may have disappointments. Okay. But to a hunter gatherer, a victim mindset would have been a recipe for death. You know, you have to move forward. Um, you know, let's say Joe dies going they sit around and cry for 10 days. No animals are coming. We got to move on, man. You know? Uh, so there's a, one of Mark sort of mentors, his name's Art Devaney. He wrote a book called The New Evolution Diet, and he always says to the hunter-gatherer, there is no failure, only feedback. And that is where I think we really need to get to that more of that ancestral confidence mindset because survival required that they regrouped and forged ahead to the next challenge when they faced unfavorable circumstances. You know what I mean? Yeah, they did things with like a purpose and a goal, but again, if they were disappointed, they... They moved on, they tried later, they devised another plan. And so confidence is quite ancestral and it is a birthright. You know, you've seen little kids. No, gimme that. That's my, you know, fuck, you know, they're just they're, they're like confident. And then something happens. Something happens along life, social construction. Maybe the teacher tells you you're nothing. Your parents start beating you as a kid. Okay. Yeah. That's real trauma that can affect your self-esteem and confidence. But so it, it actually, the two sort of go together, oddly enough, right? This ancestral mindset, aside from ancestral diet and lifestyle with thyroid, but also with confidence. And so I really wish I, you know, that's my goal is to get people back to that because without confidence, you're never going to achieve your dreams and goals. Ever, ever, you're never going to feel comfortable in self promoting, which you and I both know is really important. If you have this false sense of humility, um, there's that a shits quote, me that one. Yeah, the the false sense of humility. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's um, it, it's really interesting the way that we. F ourselves in this process, but the control and the power really is within us. And so it's people be like, well, you've always been confident or I've never been confident. And I not Look, people with a victim mentality feel like bad things keep happening to them and the world is against them, right? And it might seem easier to like blame coworkers or your family. They won't let me do that or that. And it's not, it's all within your control because there's a million freaking examples of everyone who had worse circumstances than you that prevailed. Why them, not you? You know, it's literally the difference in perspective and mindset.
0: Yeah, amen, sister. And, do you know, I get asked a lot. People say to me, Laban, how, how have you been able to achieve everything you've achieved in such a short period of time? How have you been able to overcome all the adversity? And to give you some context, like my wife and I have had collectively 16 consecutive miscarriages, including two ectopics, right? Mm. It's not related to thyroid. It was related to some childhood sexual abuse and a botched forced abortion, which we're actually Almost at the bottom of, and we're going to Florida and time and recording tomorrow to go to a healing, a private he- healing ceremony with the lady Roxanne Beck, who trained under Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton. She knows them really well. So, which is which is another topic. But I've reclaimed all of my power. I've reclaimed all of the alcohol and the drug use and the cheating on the ex. You know all the terrible stuff that I used to do. And and th- it's in the book, right? And th- and that's that's allowed me to move forward with my life. But people say to me, "How do how have you been so successful in doing that?" And I really, truly, it's underpinned by my diet. So it's not a weird link. It's not a weird link. I'm eating a species appropriate diet, which suits me really well. It's given me unlimited mental health. Like, and and I went from running three miles L to sixty in sixteen weeks in 2018. And, and I completed my first 60 miler in nearly four years ago today. And I right did on. my, I did, thank you very much. I did my IT band halfway through and I limped in cold and sleet in so, like freezing temperatures with no literal. I didn't know anything about element sachets and I limped for 50 fucking kilometers and it took me 19 hours to finish this run. And it broke through a glass ceiling in my mind of what I thought was possible. And I attribute that to my, my diet and the healing and the work that I've done. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah. Well, I say in the confident book, like, hey, do you do do you need to have your health together in order to be confident? And I would say not necessarily, however, <laughs> uh, it will only be the most helpful thing you can do. Let me give a perfect example. Holly Perkins is a celebrity uh, fitness trainer, has been for years. And since she was about 10 or 11, <clears throat> she was on antidepressants. She was always depressed. And, and it, you know, when you're that young and they keep putting her on antidepressants and they were like, this is just you, right? This story, like you just, something's wrong with your brain and you're depressed. And she literally tried for years, everything to be like, what is wrong with me? And she was fit and doing her thing, but still just wasn't, it just was depressed. It wasn't until she was like 40 that she did some specific tests, like some IgG test. And she found out she has... A sensitivity to gluten and dairy. She removed them, and within a year, she got off all antidepressants for the first time in her life. So here's the key: there, there's a fucking story about I'm. De- this is something's wrong with your brain. This is who I am. You you have this story your whole life, and then it changes. You realize that story wasn't there, and that story was changed through eliminating two freaking food groups. There is a uh, on my thyroid course when you go to check it out on my website there is an audio clip of Palmer Kippola. She wrote a book called Beat Autoimmune. She cured herself of MS. And in that clip, she says she eliminated gluten within one week, her tummy issues were gone. And in one month, her MS (laughs) MS symptoms were gone and she has not had one since full stop. Now it took her 20 years to figure that out. And finally get there, but that is why all autoimmune coaches who know what they're doing uh, pretty much are adopting a paleo ancestral lifestyle. At some point, you mentioned carnivore. I've gotten a lot of clients from Paul Saladino because I did a two part thyroid interview with him, and this is what is amazing. Now it's not always the case, but like I recently spoke with a 25 year old woman who has. Hor- Two, she has both Hashimoto's antibodies, they were very high. Her boyfriend, so sweet, went to go search podcasts. He found Pal Saladino. They went right to carnivore. Now, did they know? Did they need to go right to the very extreme, limited carnivore? Maybe not. Either way, they did. It dropped her antibodies in half in two months from like 600 to 250. Now, that is. I see this all the time, by the way. Okay. So anytime someone comes to me with autoimmune stuff, I'm like, all right, but are you eating gluten? And you know, it's a tough day when you have to tell someone, sorry, but like you're effing yourself every time you put that into your mouth. So um, we know for sure that gluten does ignite the antibodies. And so this is just something that we know, and it's endocrine mimicry. I can explain it later. It's in my book. So Yes. Do I think that your brain and body and all of the hormones and everything are going to work most optimally when you're on the type of lifestyle we are? Yes. Is it going to give you the best chance? I mean, listen, everyone knows if you eat a bowl of pasta at 12 noon, you are going to be fucking sleepy by 2 PM. (laughs) You know, you're jacking up the glycemic down. Now you have a drop. Well, what is, how does that fare when you're an entrepreneur man or you're writing a book or you need to be on fire with your mind? You know what I mean? So yes, I do believe it's important Important, but look, could someone be obese and confident? Sure. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Do I think it would be better if they maybe adopted a different diet, whether they lost weight or not? You know what I mean? The, the body image is not the thing. I'm talking about just more of the hormonal response of what's happening in the body. So, you know, we, it, a lot of people, um, you know, I'm a primal health coach. I was like the fifth person in the world certified by Mark Sisson, and now there's thousands, but, you know, there's so many stories like, you know, on Mark Sisson's blog for years, people would come on and be like, Oh, you know what? Uh, I-, I cured my skin disease, but the best part about it is I'm not obsessed with food anymore. You know, when you're on the wrong eating paradigm and you're a sugar burner, carbohydrate dependent person, dude, this is it. You got these dips all the time. This is not what our adrenal glands want. It is not ancestral. Um, our hunter gatherer ancestors would not almost pass out and be hangry if they didn't eat for five hours because ketosis would have kicked in and they weren't carbohydrate dependent sugar burners. Hmm. So a lot of people misunderstand paleo as being, Oh, it's just a food list. And then they do it wrong because they're not adopting the lifestyle parts of it too, which are great. You're eating a paleo diet, but you're still running 40, 40 miles a week at a certain, you know, heart rate level. You're in a glycolytic situation. Um, and so that's the work of Mark, Brad, Mark Sisson and Brad Kearns, who wrote Primal Endurance, trying because they were, you know, professional athletes their whole life. And they're trying to impart like, hey, there's another way to do this. You don't have to go by the old paradigm of shove a loaf of bread down your throat bef- the day before the race. And so, you know, we're learning about all these things in the past 10 years. Marx certainly is like the OG of it. Um, but yes, I do believe it can help you with confidence in every way because of what it does to your brain and your neurotransmitters and all of your hormones and all of the, you know, responses that you're aware of.
0: Well, can I share something cool with you? Yeah. So I've, I've done, I've completed three 60 milers. I got medically withdrawn from one, which was, uh, four weeks after my first 60 miler. But in July of 2021, I ran my first 30 miler on zero carb, zero sugar. And uh you have
1: coconut oil or did you do anything else with
0: it? No, no, no. Here's what I had. I had a ribeye for breakfast about an hour and a half before the race, like Fuck a yeah. good a good size one. And I had half a gallon over the course of the race of homemade bone broth that had lots of spleen and and uh liver in it. Not that you could Love taste it. it. And I had 10 sachets of element salt sachets and yeah, 9 s- Wolf's
1: Company. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and 9 slices of yalesburg cheese, like that um that Ooh. Irish cheese. And my my ketones, I was fasted when I went into it, and they were uh I think it was 0.3 millimole when I started and 2.2 when I finished. And my blood sugar was 4.7 uh millimole when I started and 3.3 when I finished. And it was pretty slow. It took me about six and a half hours, but it was the first time I've done it. And um, I'm five foot nine and I was about eighty five kilograms. So probably about hundred and ninety something pound. And people were like, you're going to (laughs) die. They didn't know anything. right? And my recovery L was twice, if not faster than any other previous run at that distance. Even with the weight that I was carrying, I was a bit heavier than my previous runs. Isn't that fascinating?
1: That is awesome. And I am not completely shocked. And that's how our ancestors survived. Hi, everybody. There wasn't blueberry patches every week, you know, everywhere (laughs) they went. They ate the animals. You know what I mean? Um, It's amazing what a perfect human diet, you know, CJ Hunt's one of my friends. He's the director He's a great guest to have too the guy's just so knowledgeable. He's, he's about Mark's age he's about 69 years old. He wrote a documentary called The Perfect Human diet and I challenge anyone you know go find it it's probably a dollar on iTunes or free somewhere on Netflix at this point and it's probably the best documentary on paleoprimal health If you don't really resonate with books or it might be harder to grasp that is a great uh, a great source for just kind of learning like more about this in a, in a way that sometimes people you know resonate with better
0: say the name again.
1: His name is CJ hunt and the book and movie is called the perfect human diet. And even though the movie is maybe seven years old or so, it is literally still one of the best documentaries that we have on paleo primal health. And, uh, he's, yeah, he's an, he's an amazing guy. Uh, he's the kind of guy where if there's some article on something that looks shady, where they're like, Hey, eat potatoes, potatoes have been found to be the best, like carb up or like, any of these, you know, opposite views of what we, what you and I know about nutrition, you know, he used to be an investigative reporter. So I'll call him and be like, what the hell is going on with, and he looks back in the article, sees who the writers are, does his investigation. And he's come on the show many times to sort of break that down. Um, his story is amazing and he's a great, and he also has a thyroid issue and he takes thyroid hormone every day. So. Yes. Uh, getting one's health together helps with mental health, but also emotional help. There's lots of people that go to paleoprimal ancestral because of how it... Basically, paleoprimal ancestral, evolutionary, all the same thing. It is the most optimal when it comes to adrenals and blood glucose. And these things all go hand in hand with thyroid, but just forget thyroid for a second. Every single time, if you're a hypoglycemic sugar burner and you're like on that plane and five hours goes by and you're like, Oh my god, I, I'm dying, which I used to be when I was that person, I'm sure you are. And then you shove food in your mouth and you go, Oh, I feel better. Well, guess what? Someone coming down from heroin who does heroin is also gonna feel
0: better. <laughs> that's
1: not that's not, you know. So when you when people go paleoprimal and get fat adapted, they are fascinated by the fact that they are no longer addicted to food, but also that they can go so much long without it, without being hangry, without wanting to murder someone. You know, I remember just driving from Hollywood to Malibu when I was a sugar burner and I couldn't even... I'd have to stop at a grocery store and like go get some meat from the counter and shove it in my face. Cause like my brain like hurt and was empty. And I, so it was so hangry. I just didn't realize that I had caused myself to become hypoglycemic. So yes, um, all of this stuff will even out mood, right? Because you don't have these dips. You're not like the person that's bitching to someone and being nasty because you're hungry because you haven't eaten for four hours. We weren't meant to eat every three, four hours, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting, and and the success stories are just out of this world. And like you said, even just for elements like carnivore and other things that are a deeper, more stricter situation, but can absolutely. I know people with Hashimoto's that literally can't eat a piece of lettuce or an apple without having horrible symptoms. Well, thank God they can just eat meat, because what else would they do?
0: <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a great segue, because I—I you can tell I'm probably a bit of a biohacker. And I love experimenting with my own body because I like to practice what I preach, right? More importantly,
1: yeah. Oh, and... I'm a human experiment too. I've done so many. <laughs>
0: well, have you done any dry fasting?
1: Mm. That I have not done yet.
0: So I just read a book called The Phoenix Protocol. There's a guy I found on YouTube. He's he's in his 60s, no, oh, 72, and uh, he's done. I think he's documented three seven day, seven to eight day dry fasts. And I've ordered a book that was translated from Russian. There's a number of studies coming out, and because you, you touched on it a little bit before, El, and it was about the sugar monster. So I, I've I'm six years clean from alcohol, longer for drugs and gambling and all the other stuff, which right. are which is a, yeah, it's a big deal. Thanks, but during times, particularly when we're going through all these, you know, um, these miscarriages and and my business was failing at times, like there was a lot of emotional eating. And from what I'm learning, there's a lot of uh, parasites and stuff that's deeply ingrained that in our former like paleo-ancestral days, because of the way we lived our lives, they wouldn't have been able to flourish as well as they, they have. The dry fasting component, once you do it long enough, and it has to be seven days, and they talk about being medically supervised the first time after five days, sure. where, where those things die off because once you remove the water... Uh, it it kills them all off, and it talk. They talk about resetting your cravings and resetting stem cells and doing all this amazing stuff. So I will. I am going to do a seven seven to nine day dry fast, and I'm. You're, I've got you're on
1: you're on your fucking own with that one. But report back and
0: Well, I, I want to get a crew to document it, and I'll, I'm going to have it medically supervised. I'm going to get someone who's do it. done it before. But it, isn't it fascinating? Because that people would say you die. You know, you're going to die three days without water. It's all bullshit, right?
1: Well, that's not also ancestral. They might not have come across something like that either. But again, whether they were getting some moisture from somewhere else or off the of leaves or who knows, but yeah, they there would have been times where hunter-gatherer ancestors would not have had water for many, many days or have been to carry it. Um, you know, that's also, uh, carnivore can be a great reset, like you're talking about. I'm not saying necessarily the parasite element, but I am talking about just a good reset. You know, once you are... I've done a carnivore experiment and and then when you do something like that you really are more conscious about what you're putting in your mouth once you decide to go off that carnivore reset and eat other things it's more deliberate cuz what it's look it's like any drug man it's like what sugar is it's like fucking cocaine right once you get going you know so here's one of the things with paleo primal people once they quit the shitty sugar then like blueberries become even too sweet (laughs) but if you're but if you're eating crappy sugar and cake all the time and look i used to be that person um blueberries are like so not at all enjoyable they don't they aren't sweet enough you have to train your palate and sometimes that that means getting rid of all that stuff and doing a little bit of a reset so i'm really curious to hear about your your seven day dry fast uh I did talk to someone who said they were going to try it. Haven't heard from them. I'm assuming, <laughs> yeah, maybe they're maybe they're down by the waterhole with Joe. <laughs> yeah.
0: May they rest in peace. Well, I, I, I'm fascinated <laughs> because what a powerful thing! Because they talk about there's a list of of uh, health issues that these 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 scientific papers and these studies have been doing have got a 95 percent success rate in healing, and you know,
1: well, it's part of that autophagy thing that. Essentially third grade explanation, the ability of your body to go take care of and attack and get rid of all the junk that's not needed because you're not eating. And you know, like Mark Sisson says, almost some of the best shit that happens in our body biologically is when we're not eating, which is why we shouldn't be eating every two, three hours. You need to give it a break. I'm for those resets, you know. But I I mean, still to this day, because I don't really eat until let's see, it's it's 2 p.m. my time. I haven't had anything but coffee, man. I'm great. I'm feeling great. I'm not hungry. I don't because I'm fat adapted. So, and then I won't, when I am hungry, have like a total meltdown where I want to murder someone. It'll just be like, all right, it's about to eat so time to eat soon. You know what I mean? So, but people who are sugar burners, if you told them to wake up and fast until 2 p.m., they'd be like couldn't make it. They couldn't, you know, they their brain or, you know, it's just because they're not trained, which is why I do love Mark Sisson's book, The Keto Reset Diet, because they kind of go through paleoprimal first and then they're like, you know what? You need to take a freaking test to see if you are even worthy of going into ketosis. The biggest problem with keto as a buzzword out there is people just, you know, like someone's like, ah, oh, my husband's fat and not, a, you know, he's drinking so much tequila, like, go keto. And then they go keto like right away from being a sugar burner, not a good call. You're not gonna even be uh, able to efficiently, uh, you know, process those ketones. So you have to work up to this, you know, and it takes about 21, 30 days or so to really get fat adapted, turn off some switches and, and get satiated. And then that day comes, I remember for me, for the first time, when I got fat adapted, I hadn't eaten, it was like five o'clock in the evening. And I actually was at a Jimmy Kimmel show taping that I got invited to. And I was in Hollywood and I looked at the time and it was five o'clock. And I thought, Oh my God, I, I can't, I didn't even think about food today. Like I didn't even fucking notice. Now that would have never happened because I was food obsessed. I thought I had a problem. I thought, is everyone else struggling in their brain? And this is what it takes to be fit because I can't stop thinking about it. Like I might need to go to Overeaters Anonymous. This is bad. <laughs> and it also felt like such a curse. It feels like a curse. And if you're out there, you know that. It feels like you're opening the fridge every two hours. You're playing games with yourself about like, well, if you eat that here, then what will I get away with later? And now I don't even really think about food. It. I mean, I do it, when it comes up, but but again, being fat adapted is just, uh, again, healthier, you are inspiring autophagy to happen. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I can only imagine any kind of fast, but a dry fast or, or whatever is going to really create more of that. You know, it's funny when people, even vegetarians or whatever, people go on like a three day fast and they're like, Oh, by the third day I felt great. And you're like, mm-hmm, why do you think that is? Cause your ketones started kicking in. That's mm-hmm. why not because. You didn't eat for three days. I mean, it's part of it, but it's really because not eating for three days kicked that in. And that's why your brain lit up. And now you feel like, oh, I had this spiritual waking. No, you're in ketosis.
0: Well, I, you can can get
1: there without having to, you know, fast, right?
0: It's a great point. And because I I was pretty strict, I was probably 99% carnivore for three of those years. When I wrote my book, was in lockdown in Melbourne, and I was doing the lion diet, so it was just beef, water, and, and and I was having black coffee. So I'll let you read the book and let let you see from a creativity point of view, and and when people are listening to this and they haven't heard of any of the stuff we're talking about before, don't compare yourself to me or L, because That's this right. takes this takes time, and the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step, right? That's right. But it's it's funny you mentioned the overeaters because I actually attended some overeaters anonymous meetings at the end of uh, two thousand and nineteen, and and there was one guy that I there was in England. It was a virtual thing. Wait, wait,
1: real quick. Have you ever seen the show Little Britain? Yes, Skip comedy show. Remember that Matt Lucas does that character? <laughs> I'm just laughing thinking about that character at the overeaters, you know, <laughs> or whatever he does, and he's always yeah. letting it anyway. I just thought I it out there. Yeah, Maybe yeah, yeah.
0: That is that's a great show. Um, there was a guy who had been attending five meetings a week for 20 years Mm. and he was still struggling. And I was like, get me the fuck out of these groups. This is just that whole victim mindset. And and then I managed to go and sort of figure it out. And I'm still a work in progress, L, and I'm still four wagon from time to time. But do you you remember your first transition from being – carb adapted to fat adapted and that 12 day yeah. transition period.
1: It was that moment outside the Jimmy Kimmel when it was five o'clock and I hadn't eaten all day and I didn't even think about food. And I had no idea I that that blew my mind.
0: Did you that, suffer? It, Did you suffer going through? Not the, at the... all.
1: Not at all. That's why it was like an accidental thing. Wow. I just that day didn't eat until 5 p.m. I mean, and then 5 p.m. came and I thought, should, sh- I should, I should probably eat. Right. I mean, like, I, and then I thought, or should I, if I'm not hungry, and then I ended up eating like after the taping at like eight o'clock at night, which was weird. I normally wouldn't eat like that late per se, but that was the light bulb. And that took about two weeks for me. Now, some people can feel the satiation sooner. I did a lot of mistakes in my paleo primal journey. When I first tried to become fat adapted, I, I was eating too many nuts. You know, I just handfuls. you know what I mean? Too many calories. Right. So you still can get fat on a low carb diet. If you're eating more fat than you're burning, right. It mm-hmm. may be healthier metabolically, but that can happen too. So um and what's nice is that if you overcarb and do these things and have moments they don't affect you and you can get right back on the on the horse you know what i mean but if you eat shitty sugar for 3 days in a row you're going to wake up that fourth day and you're going to be craving some cake so at some point you do have to cut that off and go back to the baseline the other thing too is when you are a sugar burner and you're carbohydrate addicted, often people have candida and candida fuels that it messes with serotonin, but it fuels this like desire for these carbs. The other thing is when you're hypothyroid, you don't have any energy from the thyroid. You have no T3 or very low T3. So not only are you not burning fat, but your energy is coming from your adrenals being exhausted and pumping out cortisol and adrenaline and and your body's craving carbs. So it almost makes you a food addict, even if you weren't one before, because it's almost like your body's being like, you need fucking energy, go for the grapes, go for the, you know, go for like cake, go for, so it may, it's kind of crazy making because you have like almost an overeating disorder that you maybe never had and it feels uncontrollable and it feels, it feels inherent, but it's not because I'm here to tell you. And so is every success story that's been on Mark's daily Apple blog for, you know, 15 years. Um, that is the thoroughfare that we see again. It's like, thank God I lost a hundred pounds. I cured my skin disease, my autoimmune disease, but I no longer am obsessed with food. That is the biggest gift that I got from going paleo primal and getting fat adapted. And to this day, my family will question it. They'll be like, you're not going to eat. Like, are you like, is that healthy? And I'm like, well, how are you doing? You ate a big bowl of oatmeal this morning with fruit at like seven and you're now eating at 11. I don't, you know, and you're struggling. I don't know what to tell you. Like I'm doing great. You know what I mean? My brother's paleo primal. His life is amazing. He's 52. He's fit. He's you know, he's, he's killing it. And, uh, I, I, that's really the, even my friends who've gone primal, they'll call me and be like, I just took a six hour flight to New York. I woke up at 7. A.M. I haven't had anything. I used to normally bring snacks with me. I'd have to bring nuts with me in the car everywhere. I'd have to, it's such freedom, you know?
0: I think that's, that's, that's the one of the my favorite points of what you brought up today, Alan. and freeing being free of the tyranny of, of, those little things like you won't realize until you've had time away from it and then try to right. reintroduce it. Like just how powerful it is. Um, I, people are screaming out saying, well, how can we hear, how can we hear more of Al? How can we find you? Where is that? You know what?
1: First and last name.com, LRuss.com. And you'll see the tabs. You can click on free thyroid, fr- sorry, free masterclasses or courses. I've got two free masterclasses, which I really welcome everyone to check out because the Confidence Masterclass is a 90-minute video tutorial of me talking to you about confidence. You're gonna get a lot out of that. Plus, it has a couple of free downloads. My free Thyroid masterclass is two hours, okay, of just me straight up giving you all that I got there, plus three free downloads. So those free masterclasses are on my uh, on my website and same with d- the digital courses corresponding. So I have a, the ultimate thyroid course and the ultimate confidence course. Those are way more in depth. The thyroid course again is 17 modules and 29 hours. That's basically a semester of college. It is the most comprehensive thyroid course on the planet. My confidence course is 14 uh, 15 modules in about 14 hours. So it's a lot. You're going to get a lot out of it. They are very affordable priced. I wanted to make it so that my coaching could be more mainstream and affordable for people who can't afford to hire me one-on-one. And uh You know, I'll probably keep doing that as more books and more things come up, but really it's just, uh, I want everyone to live their best life, but more importantly, aside from the health stuff, you, you, you just won't ever achieve your dreams and goals without confidence, you know, um, without self-esteem. So when I say confident as fuck. I don't mean being able to get there and speak to 50,000 people because you could do that and not be confident. You could be a people pleaser in your real life. I've had those. I have examples in my book about that. Uh, So you could talk to a whole stage. Don't ever gauge someone's level of confidence and self-esteem just because they have an outward display of it. That's not necessarily true confidence. And don't ever gauge someone's confidence based on the fact that they're quiet because some of the most confident mofos are the quietest people in the room. And so What I mean by confident as F is really inside and out. You know, you can be very confident in all these areas, but there's some area you're shuffling under the rug. I have two people on my confidence course that are also fellow master coaches. You would hear them. They're very alpha female like me. They are extremely confident, but they'll tell you, I was confident in my work as a lawyer, but I couldn't speak up over here. There's usually some area that needs to be shored up or refined or cultivated when it comes to confidence and self-esteem. And so it's really from the bedroom to the boardroom. You're not going to get what you want, no matter what the situation is, unless you know how to speak up, declare boundaries, go for what you want. And I think that, again, that's probably the underpinning and baseline of any of my success that I've had is because of that. And you can develop it. It's not like, and, and you know, I don't, not everyone's going to be me. I don't expect people to be me and speak the way I do about things, you know, but 85% of the world has self esteem issues. Someone's some, Somewhere in someone's life, they got an area, you know, can't speak up to my family. I know someone who can speak up and be direct in romantic relationships, which is often very hard for people, but can't do it in the workplace. You know, I know a really famous artist who can be in front of his paintings at a showing and talk to people and blah, 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 but can't go ask a girl out. So, you know, usually we've got some area we need to shore up. And the sooner you do that, the more confident as fuck you become and the less problems, less drama Uh, you have in your life. I mean, my friendships are, everything's pretty easy and smooth. There's not really a lot of conflicts and drama, mostly because I also hang out with people that are very direct. You know, and that's one of the things I love about working for Mark Sisson is Mark is very similar to me. We speak that same language. He's from the East Coast. I'm from downtown Chicago. We're very like, but that also can be a pitfall because I could be the kind of person that would call you up and be like, you know, uh, yo, hey, where's the, do you have that thing And someone might be like, oh, uh," where some people you need to preface it with, hey, how you doing? How was your weekend? So I've noticed that I have to gloss up and sprinkle on some niceties and prefacing because not everyone gets that level. But Mark Sisson would call me right now and I would answer the phone and be like, yo, what's up? What you got? Like, there doesn't need to be, I don't need to sit there and ask about his weekend or whatever. He'd get right to it. And then I'll be like, oh, okay, bye. Click. No offense. Like, it's just very direct. Not everyone is like that. So that's one of the pitfalls of confidence, right? And in order to refine it by realizing you've got to know your audience and adjust it accordingly, right? So even overly confident people or highly confident people, I would say, uh, like myself, have to mitigate some of these things. Not everyone is a direct as fuck communicator like I am. I prefer it. I love it so much. But again, you know, an email coming from me might be interpreted in a certain way where I have no emotion behind it. I'm just being direct and I realize, ah, that doesn't work a lot. Hi, how are you? Hey, hope you're well, you know, (laughs) okay. Hey, you know, whatever it takes. I realize not everyone's going to be on my level of direct communication, but that was one of the joys of working with Mark is how, and and people would come to me and they'd be a little bit, maybe afraid of him in certain ways. Like, oh, I'm intimidated because of the directness. And like, I understand that because I feel sometimes people could view me that way, but what it really is, is the the utmost in integrity and honesty. It's just, you're going to get. The cle- like the biggest compliment I get is when someone asks me something like an opinion and I give it to them, let's say like even uh, one time I complimented Mark on one of his books. I was like, oh, I think this is the best book you ever wrote or whatever. And he wrote back and he said something like, that means a lot coming from you because I know you don't blow smoke. Thank you very much. I'll take that compliment all day long. What does that mean? I trust your opinion more because I know you don't bullshit people and you're not going to just tell me you like it because you liked it. You know, you're not going to just say it. Now, does that mean that when I go to your grandmother's house for Thanksgiving, I'm going to be honest about her ugly sweater when she asks me what I think about it? Fuck no. I'm going to edit myself and tell her it's great. Okay. Got to choose your battles wisely. We don't always speak up in every moment. You know, uh, if I'm if there's a bully situation and it uh, looks like it might be physically dangerous, I would rather get my ego punched than my face. I might shut up. Right? So it's not about always forever. It's about gauging these things. And I think confident as fuck, people choose their battles wisely. That used to be a not a good skill of mine because I am ultra confident and I would just speak up or defend someone that, you know, or just get out there. And I had to be more measured about, eh, is that battle worth it? It's almost like I, I I liken it to the initial, the first Jurassic Park movie, you know, this idea that they could clone dinosaurs. Let's just put ourselves in a world where maybe that was really the case, that that could happen. So the scientist asks, can we do this? The philosopher asks, but should we, even if we can, right? And so that's kind of the distinction uh, of choosing battles wisely. It's not always the best move to speak up. Sometimes you got to let it go.
0: I love that movie.
1: (laughs) I fucking love that movie. I love that movie so much. I've watched that. i gosh, you know, Jeff Goldblum. Hey, talk about anti-aging Jeff Goldblum. Everyone go check him out. He's looking great. And he pretty much eats a paleo diet.
0: (laughs) Really? Yeah. I heard him
1: interviewed on the, uh, Dana Carvey and, um, David Spade podcast, which I love because I, you know, I'm a, a ex-comedy writer. Well, I still write comedy, but, and uh, yeah, they were like, you look so good. I mean, he looks so good. Uh, and he said, you know, he kind of listed what he ate and it basically was a, a primal a primal
0: diet. I'll put that in my list of uh, no shit, right? <laughs> L, I could have just wrapped it up there and then, because that was a brilliant concluding thought, but I want to give you the option. Do you have any concluding thoughts for our audience today?
1: You know, uh, you have to attend to the self-examination of yourself. And this is where, like, I do have a degree in philosophy and people would laugh at it all the time. What are you going to do? Be a basket weaver? Oh, what are you going to, you know, I, <laughs> so many jokes, like the, the, the animated sitcom, The Simpsons has so many philosopher jokes, like, uh, you know, like they'll show people at the welfare office, you know, which, you know, philosopher degrees. I actually feel it's <laughs> one sort of the most... It's, it's one it's of my a, favorite shows <laughs> it's my so favorite show. I, I, i'm always made, you know i was always made fun of for it but i always stood by the fact that i thought it was the best degree because of the ability to pan the camera out to solve a problem to look at all aspects of something we must do this inward with ourselves so what i love about a philosophical mind is that it's the curious mind just like i said before yeah we can but should we Let's analyze all of the different tangents of what could happen if we do do this and then make an assessment. And that critical thinking, which I believe our world, as we've seen in the past few years, has lacked in, I think that that is the most important thing you can do. But it's a self-inquiry you know, journey. You've got to do it. So I don't care if it's podcasts you listen to that get you there or some self-help books or my course or whatever it is, get on it. Because no one's going to do it for you. And that's really the case. No one's going to do it for you. No one actually really cares about you, but you. And you might go, well, that's not true. My family loves me. Yeah, yeah, they do. But when it comes to like propelling yourself forward to, you know, accomplish your goals and dreams, you're kind of it for you. Even if you have help, you have to deliver. So I would just say that if if anyone's out there with a health issue or a confident self-esteem issue, or you just really want to be happier and have better relationships, and be more successful, then you really got to get to it. And it's absolutely within your power. So, you know, no more victim mindset, no more, it's impossible kind of thing. Um, I, and I've seen this because I have you know, testimonials and clients. And you can see, and sometimes it starts small. Sometimes it's speaking up to the hairdresser because you didn't like the way she cut her hair. And that sounds like a dumb thing to a lot of confident people. But for people that are working on this, that can be a very, like when you're a people pleaser, that is a very weird moment. I also just want to leave this lasting thought speaking up declaring a boundary any of these things that people think are uncomfortable they don't have to be contentious the people pleaser and people that are have low self-esteem think that in speaking up it can it'll it'll be a conflict or people won't like them or it'll be mean or it'll be taken the wrong way okay you can you can simmer in that if you want but at the end of the day everything can be done in a tone that is very much just declarative and factual you know uh, if i tell you if i'm unhappy with your service or something and i'm like Hey, like, I kind of think that, okay, that's already kind of someone's going to be on the defense. Do you know what I mean? I also, uh, sorry, too many lasting thoughts. Oftentimes we go on the defense, confident people don't over-explain and justify, okay? So this is where someone asks you to do something and then the response is, I'd love to, but Sally has a swim meet on Saturday and then after that, blah, 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 blah. no one fucking cares. No one cares. Stop backtracking. Stop overexplaining explaining and justifying your place in this world. No is a complete sentence no thanks, I appreciate it, you know what I mean, whatever it is, so a lot of people are just, again, trying to fill the space and placating other people, and uh, that's really not how you get ahead in life.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, L. Russ. <laughs> I got superpowers, superpowers, working seven days a week in 24 hours, yup. It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P O D C A S T I N G H-E-R-O-E-S dot com.